0: Now, watching that commercial for an escape room uh, attraction, your your response is probably one of two things. Number one, you're like, ooh, that looks like fun. Where can I go? What was that website address I want to sign up? Or if you're like me, you're like, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to voluntarily let somebody lock me in a room with no discernible way out. How many of y'all are in the first category? Lift your hand. How many of you are in the second category? My brothers and sisters. (laughs) To me, escape implies I'm trapped, right? And I don't like being trapped. I don't like feeling like I don't have control over a situation. And I do not understand the attraction to paying somebody to lock me in a room where I have an hour to figure out how to get out. Um, I don't like feeling like I don't have control, and I don't like the uncertainty of, of situations like that. But it's a real thing, and people enjoy doing it. <clears throat> so more power to them. I will, I will sip sweet tea and watch them to see if they get out. <clears throat> so, But the truth is that... Feeling of being trapped and and not knowing the next step, not knowing what I need to do to to go to the next place, that, that feeling is often simply a perception. Often we feel like we're trapped and we're really not. We feel like we're trapped because we don't understand everything about our situation. The truth of the matter is, we're not trapped. We're just not sure what the next step is. And many times, following the Lord is a lot like being in an escape room. We feel like we're trapped in this place and we're like, okay, God, how do I get out of this? Or, God, what do you want me to do next? I don't know how to open the door. And yet we're sitting there wondering... I know I'm not supposed to stay in this place, and yet I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Can you identify with that? You ever feel like God has you in an escape room? Well, that feeling of being trapped is simply a perception. Because God has a way for you to go from one place to the next when the time is right. Since we don't know what the key is to getting to that next place, though, we feel like God has just left us there, and we can't find the key because we're not paying attention to the clues. Right? Now get this. When we don't pay attention to what God is showing us, we make assumptions that cause us to miss what God wants us to do next, and it leaves us feeling trapped. This is exactly what happens, in a sense, with Peter in Acts chapter 11. <clears throat> what had happened here, and, this is, and in Acts 11, we get Peter retelling this story of something that happened in Acts chapter 10. God had appeared to a Gentile saying that, uh, that he was to go and send some guys and bring Peter and, 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 and let them tell the good news of the gospel to him. And so while this is happening, Peter has this vision from God, and God gives him a clue about something. And Peter, and the Bible tells us in Acts 10 that Peter is sitting there pondering the meaning of the vision. He doesn't understand exactly what God's trying to tell him. And yet, when, while he's sitting there pondering the vision, these men show up and say, Hey, our master has sent us to get you. And then Peter goes and walks into this Gentile's house and preaches the gospel to him. So the, th- the cool thing is that when he preaches the gospel, not only does the Gentile and his family accept Christ, but the Holy Spirit falls upon the household. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in other tongues just like the Jews did in Acts chapter 2. And so there's this whole revelation now that God is not only (coughs) revealing Himself to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, which I'll go back and cover in just a few minutes. So when we open up in Acts chapter 11, Peter has had this incredible experience, but when he tells the religious leaders here about it, these guys who had had an experience with Christ, they were full of the Holy Spirit themselves, they had not walked through all the clues here, and so they... They balk at what Peter has done. Let's read this together. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, stop right there. What is the big deal about this? What is the the big brouhaha about Peter walking into the home of an uncircumcised Gentile? Keep in mind, these religious leaders, they're believers, they follow Christ, they're full of the Spirit, but they're also Jews, and they have been raised in a Jewish mindset to where God is working only through the Jews. And therefore... According to their law and their customs, <coughs> to walk into the home of a Gentile, someone who has not had the covenant of circumcision, someone who is not part of the 12 tribes of Israel, to walk into their home was to defile the Jew. And so to walk into someone whose house was unclean would make you unclean. Okay. Now we think, well, that's silly. Well, we say that because we're a Gentiles. Unless you have Stein in the end of your name, you're a Gentile, okay? And so, and so when 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 God is talking, or when when these Jews are talking about, how could you go into, into this unclean home? He's talking about you and me. Because in their minds, they've been raised with this idea, God doesn't accept people like you. You're not one of God's chosen. You're not one of God's covenant people. And so for me to enter into your home, to eat dinner with you, to touch you, is to be unclean. How do you like that? You mean these believers would look at you and say, you're unclean. I'm not having anything to do with you. Now, again, this is, it seems silly to us, but now this is... The Jews were raised with this. This was ingrained in them, and they didn't touch anything that was unclean. And they knew exactly where they could and could not go in order to remain pure before God, at least according to the law. And so here comes this rumor now that Peter has walked into the home of a Gentile and preached to them. And all these folks now say, well, we're following Jesus too. They're freaking out and, the, and, and you, you, you get that religious tongue wagging going on. You know what I'm talking about? I can't believe you went into the house of an unbeliever. I can't believe you went into an uncircumcised Gentile's hole. You know that look, that attitude, that tone of voice, right? I can't believe you let someone with tattoos come into the church. Your skirt is too short, you shouldn't be in church. Right? Take off your hat when you come into the sanctuary right and and all of those things are you know okay and i don't believe women should wear really short shirt uh, skirts i don't believe that guys should wear hats in the sanctuary but understand this their soul is more important than the hat on their head yes. the clothes on their body or the ink on their skin yes. and we get our priorities all mixed yes. up and that's why we stay trapped And don't get to move forward with what God is trying to do today. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching right there. So, these religious leaders, they're balking at Peter. And they made an assumption because they had not walked through each step with the Lord like Peter had. God began to reveal some clues to Peter that prepared him for what happened with the Gentiles. Now, let me just... Lay this foundational thought before we go any further. This is something else this podcast I mentioned brought up that there is a fundamental difference in the way we think as Westerners and the way Jews think. It's the difference between Eastern and Western thinking. We think like Greeks, Greeks think in the abstract. We make sermons this way. We have an introduction, an outline, point one, two, and three, bullet points, and a conclusion. That is a very Greek concept. Jesus never preached that kind of sermon. Nothing wrong with it, but that's not the way he preached. That's not the way you find any sermon preached, really, in Scripture. They would tell stories because in Eastern thinking, they think in pictures. Now, we think in abstract, static forms. We think of something as once it's arrived to perfection, it's done. Easterners will think of perfection as fully developed and then it's flowing. There's this movement with it. It's not static, it's dynamic. So we, so you ask a Westerner, tell me about God's characteristics. We would say, well, He's omniscient, He's omnipresent, He's omnipotent. All-knowing, all-powerful, all-present you ask an Easterner, tell me about God. And they'd say, God is a fortress. You say, what? And it doesn't mean God is literally a a brick castle. It's saying, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a word picture to tell you. Because now which things says more? Which, Which of these say more? Three characteristics, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, or a fortress. Which actually says more? The fortress, because you can spend days talking about what does it mean to say that God is a fortress, right? And so this is important as we move forward this morning. We have to think like an Easterner this morning. We have to think the way Peter was thinking in what happens here. See, we tend to think of, okay, if I don't know the next step, then I am uncertain, and therefore I am paralyzed, because we don't have that fill in the blank filled in. What if we looked at it differently <clears throat> instead of saying, I am trapped in this room like I would in the, in the escape room. What if we say, okay, it's a mystery. Let's see what unfolds. There's a clue somewhere. We just have to look. We, we need to shift our thinking in following the Lord from uncertainty to mystery because uncertainty is something is hidden from us mystery is something is hidden for us now with that in mind how do we escape our escape rooms how do we navigate our escape rooms here's the point here's the outline god gives us the clues to locate the keys that open the doors god gives us the clues to locate the keys that open the doors. This is what he did for Peter, and it's what he'll do for us. Watch this. Let's talk about the clues, first of all. Let's keep reading in verse 4. Peter is now relaying what happened in chapter 10. He says, Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Now, We often get upset when God doesn't make something clear to us, don't we? We don't don't want to move until everything makes sense. We want God to simply explain it all. Well, let me ask you, where's the fun in that? (laughs) Life should be a mystery. Life should be an adventure. Life should have some uncertainty in it so that we can learn to, to step out in faith. Embrace the mystery and look for clues and see where God takes you. When God gave Peter this vision, he was (laughs) giving him a word picture to give him some clues here. So what's the deal with the sheet and the unclean animals? Well, God's telling Peter it's okay to eat pork and and shrimp, right? No. (laughs) It has nothing to do with the vision. Now, Pork and shrimp are quite tasty, and thank God we're not under law. I'm thinking about cajun for lunch today. All right, and I will do it with no condemnation. Praise God. But that is not what the vision's about. Peter, as a Jew, is immediately thinking of in terms of clean and unclean because because there was all these food and dietary laws here, and so and so. But this is not the point that he's making. It wasn't about the food that the Jews considered to be unclean. It was about the people they said were unclean. It's a word picture, remember? Eastern thinking. God is saying something with an image here. And so the, the vision was about the Gentiles, as we will see. God didn't show him this all at once, though. He gave them a mystery that had him stumped for a little bit because Peter said that after the vision was taken back he said I was sitting there pondering the meaning of this vision God showed him all this three times and Peter's like I don't have a clue what you're trying to say God now listen you ever been there I know I heard from God I can't make sense of it I know what God's saying to me but it doesn't mean anything I don't know what it means to me yet Guess what? That doesn't mean you heard wrong. It just means you're in the escape room. God's giving you a clue. You see, many times when God speaks to us this way, we have to look for the meaning behind the meaning. The meaning in the vision was, God is saying these things are clean. And so therefore, Peter should act as if they are clean. Well, that's the... Surface meaning, but there's the more important meaning beneath the meaning or behind the meaning. Now, why didn't God just say, "Okay, Peter, I'm cool with Gentiles now"? Adjust your theology. <laughs> why? Did, why didn't he do that? Well, again, it goes back to the Eastern-West thinking, because it's just a matter of it's a matter of God can just simply say something, and we choose to accept it or reject it, or God can lead us down a path to prepare our hearts to receive what He's saying. One of my professors at AGTS was talking about <clears throat> how a Jewish rabbi um, asks for a spoon. He, he, he's in a restaurant. He has a bowl of soup in front of him. He calls the waiter on. I can't do the Jewish accent like he did, but I'll just, I'll just use my southern accent. And, and he calls the waiter over and says, Waiter, would you please try my soup? And the waiter says, No, sir, it's, it's fine. Was there a problem with the soup? And the rabbi says, I'm sure the soup is fine. Would you please try it? And the waiter says, well, well, sir, it's not really appropriate for me to to try a sip of uh, a little bit of your soup, but, you know, I I, I really don't want to do that. Is there a problem? No, no, there's nothing nothing wrong with the soup. I just, please, try my soup. And the waiter says, okay, you don't have a spoon. And the rabbi says, ah! This is how God leads us along. God doesn't just say, okay, I want you to change your theology now because I'm doing something new. God leads us along to where we have that aha moment. (laughs) So Peter is wondering, what is the deal about this vision? And this picture is worth a thousand words. God has said a lot to him, but he doesn't know how to make sense of it yet. And so he's just kind of left there wondering. Why does God give us clues like this? It's because when you're looking for clues, you pay attention more closely. And that is right where God wants us to live. So, Peter's pondering the vision. He hasn't had the aha moment yet. God takes him from the clues... Then he shows him the keys. Keep reading in verse 11. Remember, Peter is pondering the vision. Right then, he says. Everybody say, right then. Right 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 when? Right Right then. Right after God spoke. And Peter doesn't know what's going on. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers... Also went with me, some guys that were there with him. And we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in this house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So watch this. We have the clue that God gave Peter, and then we have the opportunity that God put in front of Peter. Don't miss this. There was the clue... And then there was the key. There was an opportunity that God set right in front of him in the midst of his clue. God sets this right here and says, wait a minute. This clue may have something to do with this key that will open the door that God's wanting opened here. And so as he's pondering this, these three uh, or these men come, and, three men come and, and say, come with us. The Holy Spirit says, go with them. Doesn't make sense. These guys are Gentiles. But Peter goes because he had a clue. And so let me ask you, when something like this happens, have you ever felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging you? Have you ever felt like God gave you a clue and he's nudging you to follow the clues? You understand? This is how God works. It's very often when we feel that happen, very often it is the Holy Spirit nudging us in that in a direction. Have you ever had some of those Holy Spirit nudges? Where it's like you know, you know God's saying something to you. Doesn't make sense? Makes your palms sweat a little bit. You know, it's like you know maybe you're checking out at Walmart and God gives you something to say to the cashier. And you think I'm going to look foolish, but you're just trying to you know trying to to you know, trying to obey God and trying to figure out if it is God or not. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I just want a story to tell on Sunday, or maybe it's God. How do we know if those nudges are from the Holy Spirit? Well, nudges can come from one of three places. They can either come from the Lord, or they can come from our flesh, or they can come from the enemy. Amen. Sometimes the enemy will plant ideas in your head. Sometimes you eat too much pizza and get weird ideas. You know, sometimes, but sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit is nudging us to take a step of faith. So how do we discern that? R.T. Kendall uses the word peace as an acrostic to process those nudges to see if they may be from God. Ask yourself the following five questions and you can have peace about not being led astray. Number one, for the P, it's the word providential. Everybody say providential. Providential. What does that mean? Does the door open or do you have to knock it down? In other words, Peter has this clue and immediately three guys come and say, come with us. He doesn't have to go and knock on this guy's door and say, hey, I got a word from God for you. Open up! Which would probably freak most people out, right? So he gets a clue, and then God providentially opens this opportunity for him. The second word, the the E in peace, is for the enemy. What do you suppose the devil would have you to do? The devil would not have you to go and preach the gospel to somebody. The devil would not have you to go and bless somebody that you see in need. The devil would not have you to do something that's going to bring glory to God. And so if you have a nudge and you recognize that this is something that, is, that the devil would not want you to do, that's a good indication that maybe God's leading you. And so that's the E. And then there's the A. There's authority. What does the Bible say? Is there anything in Scripture that would prohibit what you feel? For example, I, and I've heard, I've heard some of these megachurch pastors that on television, I can't think of the guy's name one time, but there was one guy, one, one guy in Florida somewhere that said God told him to divorce his wife and marry a secretary. He divorced her one day, married the Married the, the secretary as soon as he was legally able, never missed a Sunday in the pulpit. Can I tell you, that was not the Holy Spirit? Amen. That was the enemy. How do you know? Because it goes against what God revealed in His Word. God will not lead you to do something contrary to hmm. His Word. And so the authority is an issue if you're following the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say? Third is the C in peace, or fourth, I'm sorry, is confidence. Does your confidence increase or decrease at the thought of this? When you lose confidence, that may mean that something's gone wrong. It may mean that, it may, I like to phrase it as losing my peace, losing that sense of assurance that I'm following God. If you lose confidence, then you have to back up just a little bit and check and say, Holy Spirit, am I hearing you right? And then E is ease. Ease. What do you honestly feel in your heart of hearts? This is where integrity must rule. To, co- to quote Shakespeare's Hamlet, to thine own self be true. In other words, what do you really feel? Well, do you have to rationalize it and say, well, I guess this is God. Or is there something in you that says, I was made for this? You see, when you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will be the most authentically you that you can be. God will not put a square peg in a round hole. He will put you where you fit for how He's wired you to bring glory to Him. So, if you have a stirring in your heart and then an opportunity presents itself... Could it be that the Holy Spirit is leading you? We expect when God speaks to us, we expect it to be lightning and thunder and visions and dreams. And sometimes it is all of that, but sometimes it's that still small voice that Elijah encountered. Sometimes it's that little nudge from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go tell them that I love them. And you think, where did that come from? That was was in my head. That That was me. Maybe or maybe it's the Holy Spirit that lives in you speaking to you. We get the clue. We get the key. And then we open the door. Look at verse 15. Peter's now preaching to this Gentile's family. He says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as He had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. This is talking about that leadership group that said, you went into that guy's home. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, you may not realize this, but our standing as believers in the eyes of the Jews hinges on verse 18. If they had not accepted what Peter said, we would still be considered outcasts. And so when, when Peter walked with them through, God gave me this clue, God gave me the key to open the door, and then God showed up. These guys said, well, this is God. This is God. Recognizing how God orders our steps. You understand, when, you are fought, when you're in an escape room, I've never been in one, don't plan to be in one, this is what I've been told. And so, But when you are in an escape room, then you have to trust That the architects of the room have put the right clues in the right place to give you the right key to open the right door. You trust the Creator to take you where the Creator wants to lead you. And when you're following the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day life, you can trust that the architect of the world, that the architect of your soul, that the Creator who fashioned you out of nothing has a plan in place to give you the right clue, to give you the right key, to open the right door for what God wants to accomplish through you. Amen. So it boils down to trust If we trust that God has us in the palm of His hand, then we can look at life as a mystery. Not that God is hiding something from us, but that He's hiding something for us. And when the time is right, God will give us the clue and God will lead us to the next room. Peter followed the clues. He took the opportunity presented to him, and it turned out to be the key that opened the door for God to do something amazing through which you and I could receive the Holy Spirit. God prepared Peter's heart with that vision. It didn't make sense at the time. What's this about pork and shrimp? What's this about, about unclean things? Why is God talking to me about what's on the menu? It wasn't about the menu. It was about what God was about to do. And suddenly, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on these Gentiles, Peter says, oh, now this makes sense. Now I see what God was trying to show me. Sometimes we want God just to do the new thing, but He wants to prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for it so that we don't mess it all up. What if God hadn't dealt with Peter through this vision And then these guys show up and say, hey, our master wants you to come. And Peter says, oh, is he a Jew? No, he's a Gentile. God appeared to him. Yeah, I don't think God appeared to him. Uh, That's going to be a no from me. And God was doing it all along, but what did God do? God prepared Peter's heart for it. Prepared him with just enough mystery to say, God, what are you doing here? And you have to follow the clues to find out. So, that was the problem with these other believers that we read about at the beginning. They didn't have the clue. Religion will holler, you can't go in that house. Maybe we should learn to slow down sometimes when, we, when something riles up in us and says, no, we can't do that now. We've never done it that way before. That's not how God works in my experience. Maybe sometimes we need to stop and say, God, what are you saying right here? What, what, are, you, what are you trying to accomplish this is what happened with George Mueller. I've been talking some about him. I wrote about him for school, and so I got him on my mind. And he kept coming across this need, these orphans in London. There were no orphanages, and there was nobody caring for these orphans. They were roaming the streets. They were, they were homeless. They were eating out of, out of the garbage and so on. And God kept putting this in front of Mueller. And, but he started, you know, he had made this commitment to never ask for money. And Finally, he took that step of faith and said, I think God is telling me to start an orphanage. And he never asked for money, never told anybody about the need. He just said what God said, and money started coming in. One day, he, decided it was, he, he, he thought that God had spoken to him about building a second building, and then later a third, when I think it was when it was time for the third, and and, and God began dealing with him about it. He said, I hadn't told anybody about it. I was just praying. And he said, and while I was praying, there was a knock at the door, and somebody delivered me a thousand pounds, English dollars, to, to, to open this orphanage. And he said it was the money that we needed to open that next orphanage. God works that way if we look for the clues. So what is God saying to you today? Today? What clues has God positioned in your life? Maybe it's those little things that's like, something is strange about this little thing in my life right now. Maybe God's trying to draw your attention. Maybe God's speaking to you. God gives us the clues to locate the keys to open the doors. What's stirring in your heart today? What is the opportunity that is right in front of you? What is the potential kingdom impact? What could God do through this? If you will follow the clues and if you will open or walk through the doors that open to you, walk, walk into the opportunities God gives you, He will take you exactly where He wants you to be. As the worship team comes, I want to simply ask you today Are you in a spiritual escape room? Do you feel like you're trapped and don't know the next step? I want to ask you today if you're trying to discern what God is saying to you, if you're trying to make sense of an opportunity God's put in front of you, simply stop and ask God to show you what it means. Try not to give into frustration saying, this doesn't make sense, I'll just give up. Try to look at it as a mystery because the architect has created a path for you to take if you will pay attention. How many of you here today are simply trying to discern God's will for the next phase of your life, next moment of your life? Hold your hand up high, just keep it up for just a moment. You're trying to discern God's will. Can we just pray together? Heavenly Father, you see every hand that's raised right now, every every heart that is saying, God, I need to make sense of what you're saying. I need a clue. I need to know what the key is. I need to know how to get through this next door. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now to illuminate our hearts. I'm asking you to highlight those clues, to show us, God, what it means. Let us be like Peter, who pondered the vision and said, what could this mean? And then we watch for the opportunities you set before us. God, help us to grab hold of what you put in front of us today. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand together.